movies have been made about them. The process has been romanticized. But what do baseball scouts actually got to do? Hi, welcome to Almost Cooperstown. I'm Mark, and this is Gordon, and we love talking about baseball. I've gone pretty deep on looking into how the process of scouting has evolved over time in baseball. And it is very interesting seeing how quickly it changed from what it was, you know, seeing reading some of the more famous scouting reports from the 1950s to what we have today is is just it's kind of wild because when, you know, one of the things that you'd always heard of is you have five tool players. I, I didn't realize that was basically because that was literally just the five things they scouted players on. And what are those five things? Uh, uh, fielding, speed, uh, power, contact. And then what was the last one? Arm. Arm. Right. Right. And so that was it. That was like, and it was like, and it wasn't any kind of metric grade. It was just good, very good, outstanding not great like there was that's that's the way back when, right yeah. way back i'm talking back in the 50s that's all there was it was a very very inexact science you know Here, here's the scouting report for sandy koufax in 1954 very good prospect also very good hitter has averaged 16 strikeouts per game this season aptitude very good i don't know how they know that um outstanding aggressiveness definite prospect tall muscular quick reflexes well coordinated going to the university of cincinnati on a scholarship not interested in pro ball until he graduates also plays first because of hitting ability ability that's the scouting report on sandy koufax really tells a lot you a lot about him i, as a I don't know so okay so I, I guess he pitches because he averages 16 strikeouts a season but do we even know he's left-handed no, no. <laughs> it tells you nothing about like the type of pitcher he is. It tells you nothing about how he pitches. It doesn't tell you about who he is as a person outside of some basic details. Well, he's going to the University of Cincinnati, so he must be a smart one. Right, that, that's but, that's all. You, uh, but he's on a scholarship, so you don't know for sure. You don't know what his grades are. You don't know how tall he is. You don't know how big he is. How about Bob Gibson from 1956? Mm-hmm. Uh, this boy attends Creighton. He has not had much pitching experience, but has a, has nice loose arm and can throw hard. Will be a junior at Creighton this fall. Re- really, <laughs> really exact science there. So I think it's just, it's so interesting when you look at these, these old ones, how little information that they had. I mean, really, realistically, what were they evaluating when they were looking at these guys? How do these guys ever make it to the right to, to the? So Billy Williams is in the Hall of Fame. We talked about him. So this boy has a very fast swing, may develop into a good hitter. Left-handed pitchers give him trouble at this stage. Arm may be questionable. Does that sound like a Hall of Famer to you? No. <laughs> so uh, I I don't think they really knew. No, I don't think they had any idea, and I don't think they knew what they were looking for either. It was just sort of a feel based thing that you looked at some guys like Sandy Koufax or Hank Aaron and go, okay, that guy, there's just something that seems special about them. And that's why there could be some guys that they just completely whiff on because they didn't have whatever characteristics the scouts valued, but they were just good ball players. There's lots of guys. Right, there's lots of guys like that. And and you think about the movies, I think you started by saying movies, and it's like, what is it about the fascination, right? There's baseball movies, but there's lots of movies about baseball scouting. Mm -hmm. So we just watched recently The End of Trouble with the Curve. You know, so that's a more modern day, except that you're basically trying to show the dinosaur, Clint Eastwood's character, the scout, you know, is not... 
still has dinosaur. Exactly. So you know. he still gets what's going on. He's uh, not totally lost it. And then you've got Million Dollar Arm more recently, right? With John Hamm, mm-hmm. and that's a scout movie to get these these guys into the into the major leagues. Um, you go back a little further, you get a Moneyball. I mean, that's a scouting movie, isn't it? But that's that that's sort of what we're talking about with the evolution of scouting and metrics and what we saw because as you went from like. The the 50s where there was very little information given by the sides, even by the 60s, we were already starting to see an evolution in terms of what people were putting out there. You know, I, I think by the 70s, they were starting to have information about the player in terms of his height and his weight. They were starting to have information about who they were. As people, because they started realizing, wait a second, who this young man that we're bringing in our org- into our organization is almost as important as the talent that the kid has. And you know, we, last week we talked about the the effect of the draft, you know, on, on Major League Baseball, and, and it's the same thing here when it comes to uh, scouting. Because before the draft, um, basically, it was a free for all. Right, so you'd have your scouts. You'd try to, you know, hide a player. You try to find a player uh, and not let anybody else know about them. Um, you're paying people off, and and that, while it still happens today, once you had a draft system, all of a sudden you could only hide them for so long. Right. And so and, your scouting changed a lot. Once and you and your value of hitting on those players became more important because you couldn't sort of just like stumble across the guy like you said and stash him. You had to make sure whichever guys you were picking in the draft did well so you needed your scouts to be able to hit much earlier in their career and so the i think the draft certainly hastened on the development of it but then it was just also the complete lack of good information i think a lot of the teams were getting from their scouts well the the teams that had sort of scouting uh, um already in their organizations and and had histories like the Yankees, the Dodgers, and the Cardinals, those teams really fought hard against the draft for obvious reasons because they kind of had it, you know, going their way at that point, and all of a sudden the playing field was going to be level because the worst team, the NFL had done this before, Mm -hmm. you know, so the baseball kind of followed suit by saying, oh, yeah, we're going to give the worst teams the best draft. Now, baseball is a lot different than football that way, as it turns out, Um, but still, you had, you know, we can talk about the number one baseball draft picks in history that well, but that well. was and that was one of the big things that came out of the evolution in scouting is that you saw by the 70s like on Frank Thomas's scouting report they had his probability of signing so they were already starting to evaluate these players on what type of player they were going to be. They weren't just being like, oh, yeah, he's got a good live fastball. They were looking at like, okay, what are we projecting this player not only as he is right now, but what type of player is he likely to be when we're scouting him? Because when we're looking at these scouting reports, we want to know if we're taking a Derek, you know, what we think Derek Jeter was or what we think Alex Rodriguez actually was when we were looking at them as prospects, not, you know, Oh yeah, well he's got a good bat and a good arm. Like you need more info than that. You need more ways of grading these players. And they handled it so bad before that. When you say in the fifties, because the whole bonus babies thing that we've talked about, mm-hmm. you know, you, you you then had to, you know, whatever you signed the player for, anybody who played paid, got paid more than four grand was a bonus baby, and then they had to be on the roster of the team for two years. And so the team knew the player wasn't ready to go and play baseball. They had to sit his butt on the bench and let him watch for two years so they wouldn't lose him you know and 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 they weren't breaking the rule you know by not having him on the roster even though the other players didn't want him there you know so that that was a dumb thing that they did that lasted far too long uh that really affected baseball and 
now the the name of the game was completely different. You don't have scouts sort of just going around listening and hearing rumors and reading local newspaper reports to see if there's some kid somewhere out in the the boondocks that's got a big arm that oh wow i think i might have found the next one now these kids are all part of talent mills and agencies where they're moving out to scouting complexes where they're all getting out in front of you know big events designed for the scouts to be able to just get sit there and have information fed to them and with all the science and the metrics they're probably just look they're probably just waiting until their computer flags some kid that hits the right stuff for them. That all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, okay, wait a second, we might have somebody here," and they're probably not interested in looking until they get that. And 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 they get that a lot. You know, you you getting kinds of data from high school pitchers now mm-hmm. and below. You're getting video data. You're getting ergonomic data on how you know the body's working, what kind of stress the kid's arm might have had to this point. I mean, it's a, the the data difference compared to another baseball uh, scouting movie that I was one of my favorites called The Scout right. with, with Albert Brooks. So his his role in the world was defined when he calls up the Yankees because I think that's what he was scouting for. He was about to get he was about to lose his job, and mm-hmm. so he found Kong. Right, right. right. You know, he Brendan found- Fraser, who was the guy who could hit, you know, prodigious home runs, and he would strike out, you know, nineteen guys every time he pitched in this strange league in Mexico. And he felt like he found the the holy grail, right? Right. right. Uh, Somehow there was this guy out there that nobody knew about, and of course, you know, it was and that's ra- every scout's dream. And of course, of course, in the context of the movie, is a random white guy playing in a Mer- in a Mexican league. Oh, that is a fantastic movie. I, I it's a great movie. I, I love the movie. It might be that's right up there with my favorite right. baseball movie it's kind of you know fake and real all at the same time oh yeah i i think it speaks to just sort of the, the the romantic nature of what we hope scouts are as opposed to what they actually are because it's there, there's something that's so you know fantastic about the idea that we could all see it i mean how many uh, the reason why i know i can't be a scout is preston wilson <laughs> Because I thought he was going to be amazing when he came up with the Mookie's Mets. boy, right? Uh, I thought he was going to be the best young player ever. I was so ready to spend my whole career cheering for him. He was not any of that. But if you asked young me how good he was, you, I would have, you would have, I would have told you that guy was going to be the next Barry Bonds and Sammy Sosa. Like that's how much I thought of it. They him. didn't give. I don't remember them giving him the kiss of death they gave Alex Escobar when he came up to the Mets before before your time. Alex Escobar was a five tool player. The problem was none of those. Were baseball too so. yeah exactly <laughs> so and I, and I think that's a big part of that is that as fans it's so easy for us to think we know what you know oh we would be you know great scouts no we'd be terrible scouts and i can tell you that because you know look at how many guys i thought were going to be the one that comes up you know i've been telling you brett Beatty was going to be the next third baseman i think for about three seasons now and he's yet to turn that corner when they got to the 70s, right, they got a little bit more sophisticated because they went beyond the five-tool thing. They still use that. Right. But they went to the 20 to 80 scale for how you evaluate the uh, the player. Right. And they started – and this is when they also started splitting it out between what they were right now and what they had potential to grow into because they were also recognizing that, hey, we're looking at these kids when they're just coming out of high school. It's not, it's not entirely fair to – you know – 
rate some kid as a 60 power tool when he's 17 when he's going to still grow and potentially grow into his body and develop more of a power tool over time but but they basically i don't know if they i guess they 20 80 these kids even going to high school at this mm-hmm. point and so the 20 is as bad as it gets for a big leaguer right think billy hamilton's power i love these little <laughs> right a, a great way to <laughs> understand great, it um 30 poor but not unplayable such as edwin Encarnacion's speed Right, I'm not a very fast player. Okay, forty below average, such as e, um, uh, Eloy Jimenez's defense or Trevor Bauer's control. That's it. so you're taking really good players and finding their fatal flaws. Right, right. You would be like, ah, oh, yeah, I mean, I would love Eloy if he could play the field, but he's just so bad on defense. Yeah. So a uh, forty-five. So now we go up by five. Um, forty-five is fringe average major leaguer. Ronaldo uh, Lopez's control and Kurt Suzuki's arm quality. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, um, good enough, but probably you wish it was a little better. Um, Fifty is a major league average. Juan Soto's speed. I just love this. So I like. Okay, but I'm like, I've had something to pick on Juan Soto. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah. not the this guy out there so. you're like slow <laughs> right right um 55 above average nick castellanos's power i like that yeah okay right that's that's but that's his asset right there right that is but but that's what you have to think nick castellanos has above average major league power and that sets him apart but that's what 55 is so when think about that when guys get rated and you hear about their tools you know if 55 is nick castellanos that's pretty good Right, right, right. And, and, and so it gets better as we go up the scale. So 60 is a plus, our player. Alex Bredman's speed, which is interesting because I wouldn't have considered that to be his primary right. asset. But now we're saying not only is he a good player, he's got enough speed to be an upper echelon player. Well, Steven Strasburg's control, which was great, right. you know, obviously. So that's a good way. 70 is plus plus among the best tools in the game, such as Corey Seager's arm. Well, we saw mm-hmm. that this year in the World Series as well. Patrick Corbin's slider. That's his only pitch. But it's a really it's good It's a really one. good pitch. Francisco Lindor's defense. I just yeah. love that they put Lindor's defense. Yeah, right, right. And that would be a 70-plus defense. The guy's a gold-glove defender. Right. Like, really, really good. And, and besides being a 30-30 guy this year. Right. So, you know. um, and then 80, top of the scale. Right. Some scouts consider only one player tool in all the major leagues to be 80. Okay. So think of Aaron Judge's power. Brian, Byron Buxton's speed or Aroldis Chapman's fastball. Now, what that, what that doesn't mean, like like in the case of Aaron Judge, he has a lot of other things in his game that the, make him like, great. Right, but, but you're, that one aspect of his game is so good. Right, you're saying and to have an 80 tool, what you're basically saying is I'm forecasting this guy to be the best in the major league at this. You know, if I'm saying he's got 80 grade speed, he is going to be the fastest guy in the major leagues. That so that that's the kind of praise you hear. So that's the level that we're right. using. So if you're probably most guys, if you're hearing 75, that means they're being forecasted as upper echelon, top you know five in that position in that tool. So it's it's obviously a lot more sophisticated than mm-hmm. uh, saying he's got a he's a five tool player, uh, and you can go find all this stuff in Baseball America and just it, put in twenty eighty. It, it is it's in, fun to read it all. It is actually. interesting, kind of seeing the drop off, and that now after two thousand, there's not as many scouting reports for these guys available online. Teams hang on to them a lot more because they don't want to reveal their methodology. Because like you can go back and you can read the Jeter scouting report from the Reds or A Rod scouting report where they describe. Him as bullheaded. That was <laughs> ended up being right about that. An <laughs> absolutely fantastic description I of Aaron, right? And they they forecasted him as a guy that would hit about two seventy five with twenty homer and twenty steel power. And early in his career, that's about a dead on 
for what a rod was that's a really and they were like you know just dead on for what they were scouting with so you can see how much better they've got at forecasting these players and who they were and what they were going to be they don't generally they're pretty good and the only you don't see guys totally defy expectations and become unbelievable players out of nowhere nearly as much anymore well and and, and that's because of the draft obviously one mm-hmm. of the one of the one of the reasons why uh and then in addition i think about the way that it used to be in terms of scouting you only really had to scout in the u.s right right you only had to scout white players for the longest time you know until 1947 at least uh and now you've got the kbr you've got the npb you've and got sc- and scouting with all those, over the world and scouting with those leagues is an entirely different process because you have video of everything the scouting is totally different because you're looking you have metrics and video for every player coming out of those leagues the work's already done your scouting is analyzing that information and trying to determine okay if we bring him over to the major leagues how good is he actually going to be not like amy adams at the end of trouble with the curve when she goes to her dad and she goes i heard it right like, like, <laughs> i heard it it made this sound like the, the sound you were always talking about you know they had the magic this is the guy he's like that was their kong you know they found right, it right, they, she heard it she heard the right sound no <laughs> i don't i don't think that's that, a good enough evaluation the sound <laughs> i mean I, it's romantic you know right, it's no, a movie saw, oh wait a second he has a 95 mile an hour fastball and he's got this kind of slider okay wait a second we think he's going to be this effective. I think they described him as having like a a Blake Snell fastball with a Gaussman curveball or something spooky. Like, like like, like this Sandy Koufax. I thought he was Sandy Koufax. Right. Right. Like basically like there's a reason there, like there's a reason why he got 300 million without ever having thrown a pitch in the major leagues. This guy is supposed to be that good. So I think, you know, in that sense, you know, you have much better evaluation than, you know, the hunches obviously uh, and Mm -hmm. the feelings, but there's still, I think the scouts' uh, real contribution is understanding the makeup of the player because we sure know guys have and I think, every aspect and I think of the plus-plus sc- plus stuff. Think, and that's so much more of what scouts are responsible for is digging into who this this kid is and trying to understand him because that's where you're going to see. There's a whole lot of kids that can hit 300. There's not a lot of kids that can handle being a major league player and the work that you have to put into that. And what happens when you're not being successful? And that's what I think the scouts are so much more responsible for. Because you can have a kid that can look amazing on a tryout and scouting and swinging at batting practice. And then ask him to put it together on the road in the minor leagues. And it's a totally different ball game for him. And I, th- I think we, we always say, or I like to say that the, the greatest players seem to be the hardest workers, mm-hmm. right. You know, in baseball, but I don't know that you can sort of f- figure that out when you're looking at a 17 year old and you see Max Scherzer at 17 or Justin Verlander, just to pick two guys. Right. We all know what their work ethic ended up being and how hard and what the effort they put into what they do. Not that other people don't, um, but how could you have, been able to understand the level of makeup that they had that would allow them to continue to improve, to understand what right. they needed to do to continue it's to hard. get better. That's that's a really hard call to make. And I don't know. It's at 17, the 17 year old doesn't know. No. You know, uh, maybe he's undetermined. But, <laughs> but as a scout, you've seen in the idea is that you've hopefully seen enough of kids like that, that you know the ones that are more likely to stick with it than the ones that aren't. 
Right. That's that's the kind of makeup you're looking for, and 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 they've somehow displayed they've been able to overcome adversity. Right. It right. Might not be on the field adversity. It right, might be right, other kinds of because ultimately, I, if you're the organization. You're probably going to judge scouts more on their prospects flaming out because they couldn't handle it emotionally than not having the talent. Yeah, they've, you, you, you've got the t- – you know, they wouldn't be even talked about right. if they some, didn't have the talent. Guys, some guys are just not going to have – you know, they're just not going to have the success and that's okay. So if they don't have the success, they don't have the success. But the guys that flame out and can't handle the lifestyle, I think that's probably infinitely more frustrating on the organization's part because that's a guy they can do nothing with. Right, right, and 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 that's a, sometimes you can make a huge investment in a guy and not realize. Right, that. and I think those mistakes were made more before they started realizing that. Well, there's Who a lot the, of lot of things that go into making right. up a, a Who pro this ball player, player is is very important, as much, maybe more important than the talent he has. And I think I think teams were also worse obviously oh, gotten yeah. better at managing um you know the the young phenom i mentioned the david clyde story the guy who was on the cover of sports illustrated 50 years ago and how you know yeah he he wasn't ready to be in the big leagues but because they paid him a lot of money they brought him right up and they used him weird and 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 he flamed out and some of that is on the club right and maybe a lot of it. report you know pushing him forward saying he's ready he's ready yeah and 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 when and when i guess throwing a 95 mile an hour pitch makes you think that somebody's ready because it's going as fast as anybody you're facing right. in the He's major throwing leagues. a major league quality fastball. Clearly he can pitch in major league games. And now we obviously know scouting is a little bit more uh, refined than that sort of thought and, process. And, and they can go into looking at scouting now. Obviously they've done this for a while, but to even determine the likelihood, we saw that happen with uh, Kumar Rocker mm-hmm. a couple years with the Mets. And I don't think he's pitched in a, in a major league game. Certainly I think he's still pitching in the minor leagues, but the Mets uh, did, you know, chose him in the amateur draft. Draft, and then they looked at his motion and looked at his medicals and they said, you know what, this guy's, no, we're going to, we're not going to do it. And they backed off him and they, and, and he was shocked and, and the baseball world was kind of shocked, you know, because they walked away from one of their own draft picks and said, you know, no, we're not going to sign this guy to whatever the millions of dollars, because we think he's more likely to get injured than anything else. Right. That's right. And now we're forecasting that. And just, you know, as we kind of talked about earlier in the episode, these were uh Willie McCovey, this was from Willie McCovey's scouting report. These were his strengths and weaknesses. Strengths, youth, <laughs> height. Yeah, he was six foot four. Good power. Good power. Weaknesses. Weak on curve. Good pitching. What does that mean? <laughs> that was that was his weakness as a player. Was good pitching. I don't understand. <laughs> and, 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 and good power. I saw him hit the speaker at Shea Stadium. I, I, it's right. one of the longest balls so I've ever seen him. So that's how quickly the fr- the, the, this, this world evolved and where we've come with scouting in baseball. Because it's just it, it started off at such a lackluster place. Just, they just didn't know what they were doing. And we're still learning as we've come up with more and more statistics, more and more ways of evaluating players. The scouting is what benefits the most because metrics and stuff like that, they could tell you things about the players that your eyes could never tell you. I, I, I just got to read a few more of these because uh-huh. they are great. So Tom Seaver. Okay, well, here we go. Okay, well built with good <laughs> with good actions. This boy showed a real good fastball with good life. You can almost hear the draw. Right. And the guys, you know, this boy yeah, showed it. Really right, right. <laughs> it's, like it's like you're hearing somebody talk to you with a, a jaw full of chaw. Foghorn Leghorn doing right. a scouting report, right? Um, um, has real good command of, uh, of point of release. Boy has a slatter type of curve, but could improve. He has good action uh, on his arm and could be able to come, should be able to come up with a good curve. Boy has plenty of desire to pitch and wants to beat you. 
that's the time. You know what? But that's actually that's pretty, pretty good. good. <laughs> right, right, you could see, and you could see when he was getting scouted, he was probably like, you could starting to see the evolution of it there where they're starting to evaluate who he was as a competitor too. So um, 1968 spring training, Reds manager Dave Bristol on Johnny Bench. Give him a couple of years and he'll be the best around. Does everything we ask of a catcher. He had already won the rookie of the year the year before. Outstanding arm and catches ball good. Tough kid who can catch every day. Has good quick stroke with the bat. Some power. Some power? Um, tends to get on his pitchers a little too much, but this is only a minor flaw. One of the best to come along in a long time. That's an excellent scoring. Right. Considering he doesn't have any of the tools that we're talking about that people have. Right. Like, there was no video. There was but no. But he could just tell. Now, granted, he had a year of watching him in the majors where he won rookie of the year. So yeah, right. That's little... him saying it, but he was just talking about the player after right. a year. It's not a, you know. So here's a scout from Mike Schmidt. Saw this boy play. Is he, are we getting a theme here? Look. Saw this boy play um, in the Central Illinois Collegiate League. Okay, I don't know about how big a league that might be. Um, well built boy with quite build, not built, um, with quite a bit of ability. A steady type player. When you keep looking for him to do more, he could be a little more aggressive all around in the field and at the plate. Throws the ball well when he throws overhand. Has a tendency to drop his arm down to the side and doesn't throw as well from there. Needs to charge ground balls more. This is a detailed. Now it's starting to like. Now you're starting to see actual comments on the game and the type of player he is. You could see the evolution, even looking from Seaver to Mike Schmidt. Has been blessed with better than average ability. Uh, just must work a little harder, and he could develop into a good player. The more I saw him, the more I liked his chances. This is a Hall of Fame player, right. you know. <laughs> so I'm, you know I'm, what? I'm glad is, you liked his chances. Again, this is a guy that's probably watching the poor kid on one afternoon and forming his entire opinion of him off of it. So you you can find uh, this stuff on howtheyplayed.com. You want to read scouting reports of some of the Hall of Fame? I Famers really like, recommend like, checking they, it out. It's they super really, interesting. They really do make it make you laugh. So uh, yeah, I, I I think scouting is 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 more difficult today, again, like I said, because of the breadth of what the organization has to do to scout all over the darn place because mm-hmm. players can come out of the woodwork from any place and the and the, and the way they play, you go to the Caribbean leagues. And you, and go you gotta there. get up. And you have to sign those players quick because you could sign them way earlier than you can players from America. And and the international, right, because the international players haven't yet gone, that's gotta change. That's gotta it? change. That's gotta change. I think the international players, you have to put them in the draft because there's too much you know stuff going there's on. Shenanigans. Shenanigans going on here that, you know, would stop that from being what it should be so uh yeah there's another scouting movie and i don't know in 1991 do you know this movie the talent for the game no okay we're gonna have to put that on the list because uh, I like we need watching. to watch it we, well, we've watched it sand a lot now we've finally seen it we gotta we gotta do that so if you have any uh interesting scouting stories uh that you scouting you can tell stories us, experiences let, let we like this stuff yeah share it with us we always love hearing about it thanks for listening subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform Follow us on Twitter at Almost Hoover.